Welcome to This Week in California Education, brought to you by EdSource Radio. I'm Lewis Friedberg. This week, we'll be taking a closer look at how California is preparing students for college and careers, and how the state is building pathways from high school into college and then into the workplace. This is all very relevant because, as all of you know who are listening, in a few weeks, Gavin Newsom will be sworn in as our next governor. One of his principal campaign pledges was to create a cradle-to-career system of education. There's been a lot of focus on the cradle part. Those are his promises to expand early care and education, beginning at birth, and actually even before birth through prenatal services. But there's been much less focus on the career end of the spectrum getting Californians into the workplace and then making sure they succeed when they get there. Let's first go to John Fensterwald, who talked with Carrie Hanell. She's the co-executive director of Education Trust West, about the college and career indicator that for the first time is on the California school dashboard. That's the color chart that shows how well students are doing on a number of measures. The indicator is made up of multiple measures, like 11th grade test scores, the HG course requirements that students have to complete to get into UC and CSU, AP tests, how much students participated in various career courses, and so on. John asked Carrie Hanell what the measures showed us about how students are doing. What did you find in the results from the dashboard this month when you looked at it? Overall, 42% of the class of 2018 is prepared for either college or career. That's, that's less than half of the students in California, and the numbers are even lower for particular groups of students like African-American students, Latino students, foster youth, homeless youth. Really, the, the majority of our student subgroups are performing worse than that 42%. I'll also point out that even though one in 10 high school students completes their high school career at an alternative school, our alternative schools are, the majority of them are in the red category on the dashboard, which means they're really struggling to provide college and career opportunities for all students. And actually only one student group, Asians, were actually in the blue, which means that they were prepared and they actually sort of increased from the previous year. But when you think about it, Carrie, it's 42% of students overall in the state, and I think it's something like 21% of African-American students are prepared. So it's really only half of the graduates are deemed prepared for either college or career. Which is really quite striking because there are so many different pathways that we're allowing for students to demonstrate college or career readiness. And so this measure is meant to be inclusive and recognize that there are many different ways in which a student can progress through high school and prepare themselves for what happens next. And even with that relatively broad and inclusive criteria, we're seeing that many students, if you're going to interpret this in the way I think the state is telling us to, are leaving high school prepared for neither college or career. You only have to meet one of those criteria, right? It's not as if you have to meet all the criteria to be designated prepared. That's correct. And some of the criteria are complex even if we just zoom in on those, those individual criteria, a student can complete a career pathway in combination with achieving certain test scores. Or a student can achieve on their own in uh, certain scores on AP or IB tests. So there, there are many different ways that they can get there, but it doesn't require that they do all of it. 
a student doesn't have to complete both a college pathway and a career pathway and high academic achievement. There are different ways that a student can demonstrate success. So some of the districts will be assigned assistance because their particular students in their district were read, and we don't know the exact number, but it's at least dozens of districts. How do you think the assistance should be provided by the county offices of education to their districts? What form should it be and how useful should it be? And then what should districts do in their local control and accountability plans, which have to include this indicator or responding to it for the following year, no? I think that's the really important question. Uh, we've, we've been spending years talking about how we're going to measure college or career readiness, and, and now we need to shift the focus to talking about what we do to improve it. When we look at the school districts that were flagged for assistance for English learners, that, that is districts that are underserving in some way their English learners' students, two out of three um, from the numbers we polled are in that category in part because of their college and career indicator. So I think the first thing is to understand which student groups are prompting assistance and for what reasons. If we take the English learner student group, for example, we know from from our research and the research that many others have done that those students have far less access to rigorous coursework, the very coursework that this indicator picks up. Um, They're less likely to be enrolled in A to G courses. The the master schedules in these school districts are often even designed in a way that makes it impossible for students to both get the English language development they need and the college or career readiness courses. So the first thing that I think needs to happen is a real root cause analysis that looks at what's happening for these particular populations and the practices that are in place that are creating barriers rather than opportunities. When we've looked at some of the districts that have managed to expand opportunity for these students, one of the first things that we see is they make a college-ready pathway the default pathway. They make that available to all students. They also put in place the, the, the supports that students need to be successful. They, they have counselors and social workers and academic supports in place to ensure that students progress. So it it does require vigilance with these students as they make their way from ninth through 12th grade with a lot of data analysis and a lot of intentionality around the supports we're providing. Finally, Carrie, this is not a complete indicator. The State Board has recognized that there's still work to be done, particularly in the area of careers. What's lagging here and what would a comprehensive indicator look like? There is a lot of work underway to identify additional career metrics. There's discussion of things like pre-apprenticeship, workforce readiness certificates, and a lot of discussion about ways in which we can measure college and career readiness in alternative schools, which really have different missions and serve different students than many of our traditional high schools. That's all work that needs to happen. I think the most important thing is that we also attempt to measure actually what's happening when students leave our high schools. Even with the career measures I mentioned and even with the college readiness measures that we have, they're just indicators of what might happen next. If we do the work to build stronger data systems in the state, we might actually be able to track students as they leave high school and enter college and post-secondary institutions in the workforce. And that's what many other states have achieved and what we believe should be the goal for California as well. 
That's a great point, Carrie. That's what the legislature certainly will consider. Governor Brown was never particularly enthusiastic about doing this comprehensive data system, but I understand Gavin Newsom might be more receptive and it will be under discussion. But that's key, as you say, to a really comprehensive and useful indicator. So we'll be following it, and we know that you will, and we'll be speaking with you in the future about how it's going. Thank you. Thanks, John. I appreciate the conversation. That was Carrie Hanell from Education Trust West talking about the college and career indicator that went into effect for the first time this year. Now let's take a look at a hugely ambitious effort in California, one of the largest we've seen in any state, to create career pathways beginning in high school, but then to make sure that those pathways actually lead to jobs in different regions of the state. Beginning in 2014, the state invested a half billion dollars over three years to create regional partnerships that brought together not only high schools, but also colleges and employers. We really didn't know very much about how successful or otherwise these programs were, but thanks to research by an organization called Jobs for the Future, coincidentally based just across the street from EdSource here in Oakland, we now have a better idea. I'm pleased to have on the line Marty Alvarado. She's Senior Director at Jobs for the Future, and I asked her about what she and her colleagues found. I think overall they were tremendously successful in a number of regions, regions that had existing partnerships and relationships and were really able to leverage these dollars in meaningful ways. I think for a number of other regions that where they're still building and partnerships were still emergent, I think they were equally successful in building pathways, but a little less successful in being able to build sustainable partnership infrastructure that's needed for truly authentic and deep partnerships across sectors, across regions, and across various stakeholders. But wasn't one of your findings that in many cases these regional partnerships couldn't be sustained once or weren't sustained once the funding ran out? That is absolutely true. Um, I, I think that if we're measuring success by sustainability measures, then I think that this effort definitely fell a little short. I also think that by design, partnerships need much more time for the trust building and the infrastructure building. And there's an inherent tension between the success of building additional pathways that are serving students right now in this moment, in this next semester, and really building the sustainable partnerships that are going to keep those growth efforts moving forward well beyond the grant funding. And so there, there's great success in terms of the number of students served and the number of pathways developed. I think the longer road and the areas where there's the need for really thinking about what investments look like is around that regional coalition building infrastructure. The capacity for these organizations to continue to build something together is needed. Well, let me um, ask you, because you actually looked at what lessons we could draw from this very significant investment. I mean, it's hundreds of millions of dollars. What lessons could be drawn? And as we mentioned at the top of the program, that Governor-elect Gavin Newsom is talking about a cradle-to-career system of education. So this end piece, how we get young people from college into the workplace, is really key. So hopefully we would learn from some of this very recent experience. So what were some of the lessons that you think should be drawn from this, this experience? 
that leadership matters, leadership in the regions, leadership within organizations, leadership at multiple levels was really a, a distinguisher for which regions were able to build sustainable infrastructure and sustainable efforts and partnerships and those that weren't. I think the other thing is that being mindful of the time it takes to actually transform systems, which is really what we're talking about, it isn't so much sustaining programmatic implementation that can come and go and these dollars sort of seed some of that. If we're really talking about new ways of working, new capacities and skills, new policies within these regions and within these organizations, then we're really talking about transforming infrastructure and systems. And that's a much longer journey and that's a much harder lift. I think it's important that we think about next levels of funding and next levels of support that really that are designed to actually support the longer efforts and the heavier lifts of systems change. One of the things you point out is that the grantees didn't have enough time to build the relationships and the trust needed to continue investing in these partnerships. How much time is really needed then? Some of these partnerships that, and I'll, I can both speak from the research perspective, but also from personal experience, relationships take years and they are ongoing. It is ongoing. There is a number of transitions that happen in these sectors. People leave, positions turn over. And so the need to continually build and rebuild relationships, negotiating all of these various relationships across stakeholders, brokering connections among and between stakeholders is actually an ongoing capacity that regions and organizations must have in in order to sustain these partnerships. And that, I think, is a big piece of that infrastructure that I think we need to start thinking about how we invest in within these communities. Another thing that you pointed out here is that actually in many of these regions, there were like multiple initiatives going on at the same time that were kind of competing. Is that correct? And that was a problem. I think it's a problem for the current cultures of the organizations that are engaging in these partnerships. So the ecosystems are very saturated with multiple regional coalition efforts, cross-sector efforts, and each one designed with a different purpose. So a lot of what we've been doing with communities is really trying to help them make sense of how they lean into cross-sector networks and really leverage the strengths and capacities of each of these different regional efforts rather than trying to compete with them. And I think that's definitely a culture shift for many of these organizations and many of these regional leaders. Why is this important to get this right? Why do we need these kinds of pathways and partnerships? Across our global economy and, and across communities, we can no longer pretend that we live in environments and operate in environments that are siloed from one another or that operate completely isolated from other efforts. And so the focus on engaging industry employers in the learning process of students, not just handing them off at the end, is critically important. And those types of relationships and infrastructure and seamless pipelines are just not able to exist without deep, authentic partnerships. And so I think the more we can lean into this, the more we are going to begin to blur the lines between sectors, which is incredibly critical as our economy changes and as our need for different skills for our workforce continues to evolve. Really appreciate your thoughts. We've been talking with Marty Alvarado, a senior director at Jobs for the Future can find more of her work at jff.org. Thanks for speaking with us today. Thank you. All this underscores the challenges that Gavin Newsom will face in creating a cradle-to-career system of education in California. 
Hopefully he will build on the lessons learned from the Career Pathways Trust and other similar initiatives in recent years. The future of California's economy and many thousands of young people depend on it. That just about wraps it up for this week in California education. Thanks to our sponsors, the S.D. Bechtel Jr. Foundation and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Our producer is Shuka Kalatari. Thank you, Shuka. Our music is from Nate Schwartz Jazz Orchestra. If you like what you hear, write us a review on iTunes. And also, if you are inclined, please support us through our Newsmatch initiative, which is underway this month. Every dollar you donate to us is worth $2 to EdSource. We really appreciate it. I'm Lewis Friedberg. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.